Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So a uh, reminder to listeners that we have all kinds of events coming up next week by the time this goes out. So we have two conferences we're speaking at. I'm doing a workshop on decoding tech talk. Jeffrey, I think you're doing dojos like 24-7. I don't know. You, you have more <laughs> dojos than I've ever seen. Um, and all of that is on conversationaltransformation.com. Uh, and if you go to the events page, you'll find all kinds of exciting things we're doing. The last week of March is just mental. I don't know why we signed up for so many things, but listeners can find us if they're not sick of us uh, at lots of places. Yep. And with that, uh, let's actually get started. What, what are we talking about this week, Jeffrey? Well, we're going to be talking about something that we use a lot uh, on the podcast, which is stories and memorable stories at that, uh, hopefully. And um, particularly the idea of using um, deliberately using memorable stories to, as signifiers of your internal company culture. And and there's a story that you've been telling, I've heard you tell a couple times recently, that's a, a good example of this. Can you can you give us that that story? Absolutely. And so this one is about Steve Jobs. Uh, it's about Steve Jobs when he had just come back to Apple, so in the early 2000s. And it's one of the most important things about this story is that I know this story. And now all of our listeners will know this story. And, and I'll explain what that's about when we, when we get done with the story. But so it's surprising that we know it and it's good. Well, it's at least illustrative that we know it. So Steve had had this vision or somebody told him about this vision of a thousand songs in your pocket. It was very exciting. The, the leading tech was uh, the Sony Walkman or something like that, which was relatively big compared to the iPod, which this would eventually turn into. So somebody uh, in Apple uh, decided to, to work on this project, as Steve told them to, I'm sure. And uh, it's in secret, they produced the very first iPod prototype. And it was uh, a little square and it had wires hanging out of it. And it was um, uh, the only one in existence. And the team walked in to see Steve in his office. And they said, Steve, look at this. It's a thousand songs and it fits in your pocket. And he took it and he turned it around and looked at it and threw it back down on the desk and said, it's too big. And they said, Steve, Steve, I've got it as small as we possibly can. We can't shrink it. any. this is just incredible. Look at what we've done. It's so much smaller. And he said, he picked it up again. He said, still too big. Put it back down. And he said, Steve, but Steve, we, can, we can't do any more. It's impossible. He shushed them, picked up the only iPod in existence, the prototype with the wires hanging out of it, and walked over to the aquarium that he had in his office. And into the aquarium, he dropped the only iPod in existence to the <laughs> shock of the people standing around who <laughs> would now have to recreate the thing. And he pointed to it and he said, look, there are air bubbles counting, coming out of this prototype. That means you haven't taken all the space out of it. Don't come back to me until you've taken all the space out of it. And he threw them out of his office. And the important <laughs> thing about this story, as I said, is that we know this story. Because what happened was the people who got thrown out went and told other people because it was so shocking and noticeable and, and demonstrative and, and surprising. And this had a big effect on Apple. And one of the, uh, we'll put the link to the original story in the show notes. One of the people who worked under Steve said that this affected everybody because uh, nobody wanted their iPod thrown in the aquarium, even if they were working on a disk drive. So they wanted to make sure that they... Uh, 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 paid careful attention to detail and weren't sloppy because uh, even though Steve wouldn't look at mass, the vast majority of decisions people would make, he had communicated through this action that attention to detail was important to Apple. So he had communicated the culture that he wanted uh, in this way. 
uh, I agree with you. This is a completely memorable story. The the interesting thing about it is now this came up in part because we were talking to someone and we were, we were describing the importance of storytelling inside of your organization. You, you and that also that stories are the unit of idea transmission, so that you want to have memorable stories that you can tell internally that will tell people like what's important. You know, who are we? How do we behave? And this story fits uh, uh, several of those um, ideas. Like it has the idea of attention to detail matters and that had that impact on the culture. Now, the interesting thing happened here though, and I, when we when we chose to do this, as we were talking about before we got on, on the air, I was um, had some real ambivalence about using this story, uh, which was, um, I, I worry about too many people who think like, oh, that they are Steve Jobs or that the right way is to be kind of abusive. And, and they'll use this as like, yep, see, that, that Steve Jobs was uh, demanding and that's why I can be demanding. And you know, it's like one of those rules of the universe, you know, you're not Steve Jobs. <laughs> but the other thing too, is that I don't think Steve Jobs was really, you know, choosing a story. I think, he, he, you know, where you look back and you, you said yourself, he was communicating through this what he wanted. And I think he was to those people, but not necessarily everyone else. I think he was just, he was being himself. And, and uh, so I, I, I wonder then about kind of, are we telling people, you know, if you want to have memorable stories, you should make sort of dramatic, violent acts like that. I, I'm worried about the message we might be, be telling here with that story. Sure. Well, why don't I tell another story that doesn't, it's not quite as dramatic, but it's, it's equally memorable and it doesn't have Steve Jobs in it. Let's okay. see if that uh, one works. Yeah, let's, let's try that. Okay. So this is a story about someone both Jeffrey and I know, uh, a CEO of a company that I worked for and that Jeffrey now works for. Um, and uh, this CEO had uh, negotiated this and absolutely painstakingly negotiated this gigantic contract with a massive, massive bank. And you can imagine the armies of lawyers who descended on our offices and negotiated with this person, the CEO, late into the night. And um, they were discussing subparagraph Q and, uh, <laughs> and and redlining things. And it was hundreds and hundreds of pages. So he, he called me into his office one day and he showed me the contract. He said, it's done. And I thought maybe he would have it um, uh, uh, bound in gold cloth or something. I, I wasn't sure what he was leading up to by telling me that I was celebrating. I was very, very happy that I could see him again because he wouldn't stop being um, uh, on the phone to the lawyers all the time. And what he did was then a very surprising thing, which I found very memorable. And I'm, it's exactly the same as the Steve story that this, the good thing, that the noticeable thing about this is that we know the story. Um, he, he picked up the contract, this thing he'd worked so hard on. And he put it in a drawer and he closed the drawer and he said, squirrel, we are not going to look at that contract again. What we are going to do is focus on making this gigantic bank really, really happy. And if I ever have to open that drawer again and look at anything that's in that contract, we have failed. And then he sent me out of his office. Um, and that was so memorable that I then went and told everybody else um, about how we were going to approach this bank. And in fact, we never opened the drawer again. We made the bank very happy and uh, all, all ended well. So in a similar way, that was not necessarily so violent or, or, um, or vigorous. He wasn't you know, telling me I'd done a terrible job as Steve was, but it was equally memorable and equally authentic. And, and the thing that, that links these two stories for me uh, is, in, well, one thing it says that you're telling them, but, but I think not just that, but it, it was 
you know, in the case of, of this company, you went and told the story what you've seen. And similarly at Apple, people went and told the story what they've seen. And it's the story that people were were telling, were, were sending a, a signal, a, a message, right? It became that sort of idea of, you know, what is it like to be here? And and in this case, you know, the second story, you have the message of work or our goal is to make our client very happy. And and you could tell people that and, and pass it along. And, and I think that that was the kind of aha moment for me as we were talking about this. I was worried about, well, what's actionable about this? You know, how, how do we, for our listeners, are we telling them, you know, do memorable actions? That, that seems really hard. <laughs> and I think in either case, as you, as you were pointing out in the Steve case, I don't think in either case, um, the, the person who was performing the action, the, the cultural transmitter, uh, um, the, the CEO or Steve Jobs, was thinking to himself, how can I transmit this best? I will, I will come up with it. I will come up with a script and a, a set of actions and I will rehearse it at home and then I will do the thing. You know, I need to turn my wrist this way when I drop it in the aquariums so that it's most visible. W wasn't doing anything like that. But the person was being authentic. The person was acting in, in, uh, in a way that was very, very um, uh, adhereenceful. I don't think that's a word, but was adhering very closely <laughs> to the values that, that he wanted to communicate. And that that came through in the action. And then I imagine there were many actions, but the ones that were memorable uh, got the message through. Yeah. And, and and so then, as you say, so they were just being authentic, so which I suppose that is maybe a type of, of message people is, you know, be your authentic self. You know, you enact the values that you care about and people will be telling stories about you. And I said, maybe that's another thing, another lesson. People are going to tell stories about you as a leader. You, if you want them to be telling the stories that are in line with the, the culture you want, you need to be behaving consistent with that culture. The other thing, though, that came up to me is, is it seemed to me like one of the challenges that uh, leaders have, one of the duties they have, actually, is to make their organization legible to the people within it, to help people understand what's going on. And this becomes more true the larger the company is. I'm currently in a very large organization. And there's oftentimes where people are unclear about exactly what's going on. And those, that uncertainty is very painful. And it can be very helpful then as a leader when you find people and they're unsure about what to do, if we can uh, orient them about what's desirable in by using stories. And so, and I think this is a case where as the observer uh, and as the leader, you can, you can say, well, what are those events that I have found personally to be memorable to me? What were the, what were the things that struck me and to tell those stories and that I can help reinforce my vision of what this uh, place wants to be uh, by the stories that I choose to tell other people. And so now we can say, okay, look, here's what you can go do. You can, you can curate your own memories. And your team's memories and, and encourage them to, uh, to, to carry on and to, to transmit onward the memories of yourself or other people that, that uh, match the culture. Yeah. And that, that idea, and that, that was then I think the final piece that, that fell into place for me was the idea is it's not just my own memories, but I can actually survey my team and ask them and say, what have been important moments for you here? What what's happened? Maybe what are things I have done that helped you understand our culture? And now this is even more actionable. 
if you know if there's elements of our culture that you like what are they and what are the things that let you know that that's the culture we have um that's a very uh, uh thing, something that you can do as a as a leader i'm intentionally using the word leader here and not manager you know they <laughs> anyone could do this and by doing it you will be a leader if you start collecting the stories that are about the culture you want to have and say yep here's examples of how we've behaved and uh share them um, and be that they be, can become uh, by uh, by being repeated to each other as reminders. They they act as attractors of the kind of behavior you'd like to have, and people will be more likely to behave in in a way that's consistent with those stories. And that could be out of fear, in the, as in the Steve Jobs case, where you don't want to have your your phone dropped in the in in, in the aquarium. I don't think we'd recommend that one quite as strongly. Or it could be through the just the power of the example, as in the uh, contract in the drawer. Uh, story where that, that's just a powerful image and it's hard to get out of your mind and uh, people can latch onto it and, and use it for a long time as a, a message about how to treat your customers. Both both are powerful. Uh, I think I prefer the uh, the contractor in drawer um, with, with less fear. Uh, I think that's likely to be more successful. And, and this seems like a great opportunity to, to um, uh, tap into our audience here. Do you have memorable stories? that were important about the culture you were part of. And I'm also saying this, they can be good or bad stories, you know, because, because it's, these things are just as true when there's a negative story. But I, I'd especially like to curate some of the positive ones. I would love to hear from our listeners about examples, stories that you would tell among your teams or among your, your departments or your companies that, were, that you thought helped uh, capture the culture of what you wanted to be the aspirational stories. I'd, I'd love to have some examples uh, from our from our audience um, and uh, add to our repertoire so we have people to call in other than Steve Jobs. Yes, that would be helpful. Excellent. So if you'd like to share some stories, you can find us on conversationaltransformation.com. You'll find Twitter and email and I don't know, whatever else we're on uh, that you can link in. Uh, you can find us in lots of ways. You'll find free material there. As I mentioned at the top, we have lots of activities going on next week and in, 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 into April. So uh, uh, check out the events page for ways to contact, get in contact with us, participate with us in conferences and workshops and other exciting things. And we'll be here again next Wednesday, and maybe we'll have some of your stories to talk about. I'll see you then, Jeffrey. Thanks. Thanks, Ro.